Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hey loves, welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, you are able to just take a moment and appreciate the breath that gives you life, to have gratitude for the body that enables you to go where you need to go, to give thanks for all that you have, no matter how big or small. And with that expression of deep felt gratitude, like really feel it in the body, with that gratitude, comes abundance and so bring that in (sighs) yes okay my friends we are here for part two of the four-part series light of the world midlife transitions and spirituality now as a reminder i've called this series light of the world because i feel that we Those of us who are in the midlife point of our lives are the ones who need to be the brightest beacons for the planet, the ones who people are looking to for guidance. It's like, hey, you know what? You've lived this much. You've lived this far. You've seen things. You've experienced things. And you're still active. So show us the way. Show us what we need to do. Because if we look at our elders... Yes, we turn to the wisdom of our elders. But you are the ones who are doing the groundwork. You are the ones on the front lines. The elders, they have done their physical time and they are here to impart their wisdom upon us through words, through dreams, through magic. But us midlife folks, we're still doing the thing. We're still the physical, like taking care of the parents, taking care of the kids, doing all the things, right? And so we got to get right with ourselves so that we can then be the light of the world for us to be the guides during this time of big changes, big, big, big changes. Okay. So shuffling my deck. I like to shuffle it three times. Three is a magic word, magic word, a magic number for me. And for this uh, four-part series, I'm going to just stick with the Starseed Oracle deck by Rebecca Campbell. Um, Because, well, one, it was a gift from my youngest for my birthday. She knows me. She's such a 
she's such a great kid very thoughtful very on top of things she's like the little mama out of the the three of mine um you know taking care of business taking care of people just you know taking care of it all and i'm very mindful of that and making sure that she does not take care of others to the point that she overlooks herself so we're not going to let that happen okay so i have shuffled the deck and we are moving into part two which is where i am now we're going to talk a little bit about where we are at this point in our lives at this point in time and we're going to call on the oracle cards to guide the conversation and ask for what focus do we need to call in I like this card over here and we have loosen your grip <laughs> man I have a feeling this deck is just gonna keep giving us the winners so where you are now we got to loosen the grip so let's turn to the guide because I got all sorts of things coming in to share with you about loosening the grip um, and how mm, a lot of us just don't even know how hard we're gripping onto things. Okay, so so for loosen your grip, we've got coping mechanisms, density, addiction, and let God in. So when we grip things, it's because we want to control, right? And this card is asking us just to loosen it a little bit. You don't have to fully let go of your grip. You know, we want to do things in increments, in degrees that are comfortable for our nervous system because our nervous system is the bridge between the spiritual and the physical and if it goes on the fritz it's a little harder to make that connection so when we loosen the grip we start to open the gate that um the gates of the bridge <laughs> that our nervous system um holds right and so as we loosen the grip god can come in all right so let me read the uh the guidebook we're cyclic beings, and Mother Earth teaches us how to be human every day with the coming and going of the tides and the seasons. If you're clinging to anything, you're resisting the natural flow of who you are. Mm -hmm. The things we cling to are so often those we most need to let go of. The food, the substances, the relationship, the job, the people-pleasing. The things we cling to often cover up our most vulnerable space, the part we're most afraid to leave empty, the part we guard and don't let grace into. But by keeping that space covered with something that doesn't serve us or clinging to it for fear of not staying of its own accord, we prevent ourselves from receiving the things that will. A Course in Miracles tells us, whatever we leave empty, grace will fill. And the Buddha said, you can only lose what you cling to. Indeed, both are true. If this card appears, you're being called to find the courage to loosen your grip and give up control, to release your coping mechanisms and leave space for grace and God to enter, to surrender all that feels dense to the divine. Loosening your grip doesn't mean that what you're clinging to will go away. It may, or it might stay. But you can be sure that what is for you will find you, and you'll breathe easier knowing that you've shifted from relying on your own strength to surrendering to the grace of life. Mm -hmm. 
And there's this little question. I love this guidebook that gave you questions to ponder upon. So the starseed soul inquiry is, what are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? And I want to say that this is the hard, this is, I don't want to say the hardest because there's a lot of hard, I don't want to use superlatives because there are hard, a lot of hard things and it depends on where you are and in what moment and what mood, you know, the stars are aligning or not, you know, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, what are you clinging to for fear that nothing is coming to take its place? So maybe I'm clinging on to this, you know, outfit that I've had, um, forever, you know, uh, it reminds me of a time that was happy and, um, here, let's take, let's take these yoga pants I have, for example. So I have a, I have lots of yoga pants, right? And there was a time where I was wearing the ones that were printed and kind of loose fitting, but gartered at the bottom there. What do they call them? Harem pants. That's what they're called, harem pants. And so I had these style of yoga pants and, you know, I, I went through that phase, you know, they were so comfy and they, they look good and, you know, other people were wearing them and I would teach in them and then I would just go to Starbucks after to do work and, and it was fine, you know, and it reminded me of a time that I came back from India. And so I, I had a, I, that was a great experience and I was feeling good. I was feeling like in myself and my identity who I was at that time, who I was being. And, um, and it was like, yeah, the pants were the thing. Now, since I've moved, I've, I've noticed in my unpacking and my continual unpacking that, um, there are clothes in there that I haven't worn for a while and I'm wondering about them. I'm like, do I keep them? Do I not? And I had a friend, I was going through my clothes and I said to her, I texted her and I said, how do you make a decision for what clothes to keep and what to donate? You know, like, because I'm noticing that I'm attached to, to some articles of clothing. She's like, well, I just try them on and if it feels good, I keep, if it doesn't, I donate. And I was like, oh, of course, so simple, right? Duh. <laughs> when she texted me that, I was like, oh yeah. But wait, I was doing that already. So I don't know why I asked her because <laughs> I was already trying on all the clothes. You know, part of me was like, do I have to try on all of them? Like, I don't even want to bother putting them on. And that in and of itself should be an answer, right? Um, so I put on the yoga pants and um, one pair. I think I have like four or five pairs of these harem pants, all different designs. And they're so beautiful and lots of fun. And um, and I put one on and I was like, oh yeah, these work, you know. And I will say that I am feeling a little um, more padded in the lower areas, like we'll say the tummy and the seat. <laughs> and I can't tell if it's, pandemic living, you know, cause I was so good during the first two years of pandemic. But then I think around maybe last fall, I just started, um, not caring anymore. I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to eat what I eat and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, Meh. and part of it was, you know, I'm going through the whole divorce proceedings and that, that took a toll also. So I was just like, I'm just going to eat what I feel like eating. I'm listening to my body, blah, 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 blah. And so I don't know if it's that, it could be part that and part menopause, you know, hormones are changing. And when people talk about menopause, they talk about like gaining a little tummy 
And no matter what you do, the tummy's going to be there because of hormones and all kinds of changes happening with the body. So I am on a research trip right now looking into the menopause diet. There's a book called The Menopause Diet. So I'm going to read into that and see what's what and see if I can, you know, understand what my body's doing right now. So I get these yoga pants and I try them on and I'm like, this is perfect for my body that is changing. And, um, and yeah, so I'll keep them. Now, fast forward to now, and I'm looking and thinking about them, and they're just taking up space in my dresser drawer. It's like, you know, prime real estate. And I'm like, hmm. I I tried to put them on last week before I went to teach yoga. I was like, oh, you know, I'll use these pants to go teach yoga. And I put them on. I was like, "Mm, not feeling it. Not, mm, no, mm, not really. I mean, I used to wear them all the time to teach yoga. Now, that last week I was like no not feeling it and so I'm wondering with this card coming forward loosen your grip you know am I holding on to these yoga pants now this is a metaphor of course right I'm just using this as an illustration for other things that are not as tangible not as obvious but am I am I gripping on holding on to these yoga pants as a symbolic way of holding on to that version of me who loved these yoga pants because I loved that version of, of me. She was, you know, a regular practitioner of kundalini yoga every morning. She practiced kundalini yoga, meditation every morning, twice, morning and night, journaling regularly, having a lot of space to write, having a lot of space to um, be with her kids, to drive them, to raise them, to feed them. There was so much space, it felt like. And now I'm not feeling that kind of space, which is interesting and a little ironic considering that I am now a single person, right? Um, Yes, also a single parent, but you know, I can, I got all, I got all the space. Like I, I can just do whatever I want, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm not feeling that spaciousness because I don't have the foundation that I did at the time of fantastic yoga pants girl, um, harem pants girl, we'll call her. Um, my whole foundation has been taken apart, broken down, demolished, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I live in a new place. That's not a house. Um, I have neighbors that live above me next door to me. You know, I'm in apartment, basically apartment living again. I live in a condo, which I don't know (laughs) if there's too much of a difference in terms of the physical space. Um, but I, I have to share space again. And after living in a, in a house, Um, with lots of yard between me and next door neighbors for quite some time, this is, this is an adjustment, but it's not even about that. I mean, the physical space, yes, but I am, I am without that foundation of like this routine of what I had created from the time that my first daughter was born up until now. It's like we evolved together with our routine, with how things were going. um, And now I see them every other week. And so my regular routine is not so regular. You know, there are certain things I can do when they're not here and certain things that I do with them when they are here. And so it's a different 
rhythm to the routine that I need to get used to. And I've only been in this place for three months. Is it? Yeah. And so not exactly a significant amount of time for any kind of real foundation to be laid down, any kind of um, pattern of routine that would take hold. So I'm still feeling my way through things and it's, it's a little frustrating. Um, and that's why I think I'm holding on to the yoga pants, the harem pants girl. She had a routine. She knew what she was doing, you know, and I kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, okay, well, let me backtrack. So harem girl knew what she was doing at the time that she was who she was. She didn't know all the answers, but she had the confidence and the, and the stability and the security of a routine, right? And then inside that routine, she was able to explore the the questions, the unknown stuff. Um, and that felt very solid. Now, current me, you know, divorced me, uh, priestess me, is still learning the way around this current space. And so this card coming forward to loosen your grip seems like an invitation to me to let go of the harem pants girl, to allow for that identity to be released, to, to let that past version of me live in the past instead of holding on to it so that I can create space for this new me that is emerging. And I feel like maybe this new me needs more space to, to bloom. I'm only giving her like a half yard of garden space when she needs the whole garden, you know? So I need to, I need to uproot some of the plants that are in my garden and say thank you to them for their nourishment, for the support, but it's time to clean house. And I'm going to loosen my grip on harem pants girl. I will, um, get out a bag and start donating some stuff of the previous versions of me and then figure out how I'm going to get some money to buy a new wardrobe, <laughs> but to create space for new things to come in for a new wardrobe to come in. You know, my, one of my teachers gives this great analogy, um, that, you know, there are things that we want to manifest, right? And we can do that. We can, we can manifest whatever we want, but if we don't let go of the things that have held us back, we don't let go of the old things, how can the new things come in? So her analogy is, imagine that you wanted a new car and you get that car, right? You drive it home. You can't park it in the garage because the old car is there. So what are you going to do? You don't want to leave the new car out in the rain, sleet, snow, hail, whatever. But you also don't want that old car taking up space because you want to be in the new car. You want to embody the new car. You want to be in that new car smell all the time. And then when you look at the old car, you're just like, mm, yeah. Mm, mm -mm. So clear out the old first. Loosen the grip allow for space to come in. So 
just to repeat the starseed soul inquiry, and you can ponder this. What are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? And also to trust that whatever space you make, the thing that you most desire will come. To trust that the universe has your back and magic will happen as it always does. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So part two, where I am now. Where are we now? All right. So in the previous episode, we kind of looked at how far we come and talked about the path that was laid out before us. And we all kind of just like stepped right in and went, dun, 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 college, spouse, kids, house, job, bah, bah, bah. And now we're like, uh-huh. oh, this is where we are. Okay. So where are we now? We are at a crossroads. Well, I don't want to say crossroads, a threshold, threshold of change. And I want to say specifically for women, it is more pronounced because our bodies go through the change also. It's not just our life looking at being in what they call the sandwich, right? The sandwich between our aging parents and whether or not we need to care for them is is, um, an individual situation. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have parents who are still healthy and traveling um, and doing the things that they want to do, you know, albeit a little, a little slower, a little more mellow, but you know, they're still able to, to do the things. And, um, and then there's, you know, that, that point where then parents begin to decline and they need our help and our support more and more as they get older. And so that we're at that point where we're seeing our parents age and we know it's coming eventually that we're going to have to step up and be the parent, to be the adult, to make decisions on their behalf. Um, Meanwhile, that's on one side. We'll just say that's on the right side and our right arm and our left arm, we have kids. And if you don't have kids, then you have this feeling of what next? What now? I've done the things that I thought I was going to do. Is there more? Now, not everyone may feel this way. There might be some who are in midlife. and They're like, I'm living my life and you are all the better for it. Good for you. Kudos for you. I'm talking to the folks who are feeling like, where am I? Who am I? Why am I on this planet? What's my life's purpose? I don't know anymore. I thought I did. You know, it seemed so easy when I was younger and I had spirituality in the form of religion. And I'll speak for myself. You know, I, I was like, well, I've had, I've had a sort of up and down relationship. Wait, let me finish talking about the sandwich. So on the left, we have children and we have to care for the children. We have to be parents for the children. Right. And it doesn't matter how old they are. Um, what, I mean, the only difference is how much energy output, you know, is it physical energy where you're chasing after like an elementary school kid, or is it mental and emotional energy where you're dealing with puberty and adolescence and the testing of boundaries and the, the teenagers, which I have, um, pushing the edges of, of, you know, independence that, that sort of tugging between wanting to stay your kid that you 
It's like, mommy, take care of me. And the kid that wants to just be independent, like, no, I'm old enough. I, I already know how to make decisions, which, you know, between you and I, mm-mm. <laughs> you don't, but you do have to learn at some point on your own lived experience, right? Um, but that's the tricky part of parenting is to know that, that balance of guidance and just allowing, right? So we're in that middle ground. We're in that middle stage. And, um, and so I, um, thinking about where are we now in relationship to spirituality? Um, I know for myself, my relationship with Catholicism has been a mixed bag. Um, you know, as a kid, it was, this is the only way and this is what we do and there's nothing else. And it was very rigid, uh, of a practice. Um, we would pray the rosary at 6 PM every night, um, no matter what anyone was doing. And we'd all gather in my bedroom and say the rosary. And even if the phone rang, couldn't answer it, nothing, no one was allowed to leave. And we, we got it down pat. I mean, it was like rote for a while. I was like, I don't even know why we're doing this. And we're not even like saying the words really. It's just this cadence and this rhythm when you say it often enough. And you're just doing it as, as a practice. And I don't know if there was any intentionality in it other than it was a practice, but, um, I just know, like, you could say the rosary in 10 minutes flat, you know, Hmm, there you go. Like mysteries and all. (laughs) And, you know, I went to Catholic school. I went to public school for a little bit in middle school because my parents moved and we changed school systems and stuff and they wanted to try it out. Um, but for the most part, Catholic school girl here. And so, it was always part of my life. And then when I got to college, I was like, mm, you know, I would go to, I would go to mass more out of, um, out of habit and obligation, a slight fear of like, am I going to burn in hell if I don't go to church? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, but, but I'm going to go anyway. And I found, I also found comfort in just going to mass and the familiarity of mass, just being away from home and, and wanting to feel home, but not be home because I didn't really like being home with my parents who were always so strict. Even when I got home from college, they would try to still treat me like, um, like a child giving me, uh, like, you know, you can't go here, you can't go there, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really? Like, uh, hello, what do you think I did in college or have been doing in college? You know, those kinds of things. Um, so then you know, I kind of, I kind of just fell away after uh, I graduated and then moved to uh, New York City. I lived in Manhattan for a little bit, and um, I just was searching. I, you know, I kind of fell away, and then, and then I started like feeling like I was searching for something. Um, you know, so I would go to church, and that would be my my connection to my spirituality. But then there was, there was a time when things shifted and then I became more about Jesus rather than the ritual of mass, rather than the doctrine of the Catholic church, because I, you know, I didn't agree with what the Catholic church was saying as far as like women can't be priests. Let says who, I mean, freaking you're telling me Mary Magdalene wasn't like some kind of priest priestess. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm thinking like men have selectively left some stuff out of history. Um, but anyway, 
we're talking about where we are now in this midlife. So as I um, moved through my relationship with Catholicism, I was more intentional about creating a relationship with Jesus as the example of how I wanted to be, of the kind of human I wanted to be, and also to just understand his teachings and to really try to embody who he was. Um, because it was just amazing to think that a human would be this generous to other humans, especially those who basically murdered him. Um, so yeah, so I have, um, I've come to that relationship with, with, um, Catholicism in that way. Um, but thinking about spirituality, it was like, all right, well, is anyone going to help me figure out who I am? I mean, at my essence, like I feel the Holy Spirit within me. You know, that's what the Catholic Church teaches. There's there's the Trinity, and there goes the dog. There's the Trinity. We've got God the Father, Christ the Son, and we've got the Holy Spirit. And growing up, I was like, who the heck is the Holy Spirit? Like, And then it's the Holy Spirit's a dove. The Holy Spirit is... A flame, you know, it was like this entity that didn't have as like Holy Spirit a girl. I don't know. Like as a kid, you know, you wanted to find out like more definite things, but the Holy Spirit was just this thing that lived within you, right? And and so the way I grew up learning it was, you know, during Pentecost when Jesus went back to heaven after he rose from the dead. And actually we're still in Easter season, so he's, you know, according to our our practice um he's still out preaching as the risen christ and then soon pentecost will come oh no the ascension will come he'll go right up to heaven and then after that then pentecost which is when the holy spirit descends upon the apostles in tongues of flames and they all start talking in foreign languages and i just remember seeing depictions of these these flames above the heads of the um the disciples and i was like wow that's so cool they could talk different languages blah 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 blah, right but i still didn't understand what the holy spirit was i was like what like i really like this and then you get taught the holy spirit is in you you know when you get confirmed and this and that and you know i just was like i i don't know i don't know so i'm trying to figure out this whole time who am i and uh, and what's my purpose in life? And how does religion and spirituality fit in all that? Like I'm trying to, there's all these pieces I'm trying to bring together. I didn't see the connections until um, I started looking into spirituality outside of organized religion, where I started looking at yoga, for example, you know, looking at the, um, the yoga sutras, um, looking at uh, the Bhagavad Gita. So, you know, looking into Hinduism, yes, but but more about the practice of just being a higher being, of being present, of having a divine light within us, right? And then I was like, wait a minute. So then I started reading different spirituality books, reading um, Abraham Hicks, Ask It and It Is Given, read The Secret, read... Um, some other books that I'm not thinking of right now. Why? Um, it's so funny because as I'm recording, I'm looking at my bookshelf behind me, you know, and looking at practices for just tapping into your spirituality, right? And then <laughs> recently, you know, and then I, I came to realize that the, the Holy Spirit is my divine light, is my divine self, is that sort of 
electric feeling inside of you when you feel high vibration, when you feel connected. That's the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is recently, I want to say a couple months ago, um, you know, I was going through the whole move. House was closing and I had to move out and pack up my stuff. And it was a big transition because the place that I'm living in now wasn't available for another two weeks. So I had to stay with my parents. Um, But I remember those moments of like, difficulty, frustration, struggle, like didn't think I was going to make it. And my mom would always be like, call on the Holy Spirit. Right. And I'm like, that's so nice, mom. You're so cute. You're so sweet. You know, like she's so thoughtful. And, um, all this time, you know, I'm thinking of these practices of connecting with my divine self. You know, people talk about your higher self and how you can connect with your higher self, your divine self, right? One and the same in my book. So she sends me this text message. You know, I was getting frustrated and I was kind of venting to her over text. And she sends me this message. She goes, remember HS, <laughs> right? I was like, I cracked up because I was like, oh, Holy Spirit. And I was like, wait a minute. HS, higher self, higher self, Holy Spirit, same thing same freaking thing. I was like, oh my God. And the thing is like, yeah, I kind of knew that, but to see it physically in my eyeballs was like a big mind blowing moment. And I was like, what? No way. Yes. So different words, same thing, right? Just the same thing. So where are we now? We are at the threshold of change where we dreamed up this life from when we were kids or even like, you know, in school, elementary, you know, middle or high school, we dreamed up this life, but we didn't see past the part after we have kids and have the job and we keep working, working, working. We kind of miss that part and skip over to retirement, right? And so we're like, oh, we're here now. What do we do? (laughs) What do we do? I don't know. My body's changing. So women, yes, my body's changing. Like, is this a hot flash or am I just really hot? Like, because the temperature is hot. Is it me or is everyone else feeling hot? I'm not sure. Oh, I got night sweats. It's 30 degrees outside. I'm throwing the covers off of me. Like I can't, but then I'm cold again. So I put the blankets back on, you know, or you go from like being the sweetest person ever. Oh my God, I love you so much. I hate you, (laughs) you know, or these other really crazy hormonal imbalances. You get the little tummy pouch for some people. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the physiological symptoms of menopause, perimenopause, postmenopause. I am not a medical doctor, so I'm just talking about the things that I've heard and the things that I've experienced myself. But physiologically, you cannot ignore that your body is going through some kind of change. And so we are at the threshold of change, not just in our lives, but physically. And it's like, can we ignore that? Heck no. No, we got to do something about it. So what are we going to do about it? We are here now, right? And we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. What is my life's purpose? Does it have to be this hard? I thought life was supposed to get better after this. What are the questions you're asking now? Where do I go from here? My kids are going to be out of the house soon and it's just going to be me. And maybe a spouse if I have one, if I get along with that spouse, you know? Then what? 
Then what? What about me? What do I want? What do I want to create? What life do I intentionally want to create? I have this power that I have been giving away, giving away, giving away all this time and didn't even know it. And now I'm here at the threshold of change, realizing I have power. I just have not been claiming it. I've been giving it away. And now it's time at this, at this portal, it's time for me to take it back. It's time for me to reclaim my power, reclaim my choices, reclaim my life and figure out what I want. What do I want? And the thing that you have to realize is these questions are not selfish. These are valid, legitimate questions that every human being deserves to ask because who we are being as individuals, who we are affects the world. So don't think that you're being selfish by what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? It's not about that. It's about what makes your heart sing? What sets your heart on fire? What lights you up inside? Because when you get to that place where you are lit up all the freaking time, and I'm not going to say it's 24 seven, because there are times even if you find your life's purpose, even if you find the thing that lights you up and you do it for a living, you do it all the time, there are still going to be times of downtime. Things dip. There's ebbs and flows, right? There's highs and lows. So I'm not going to mislead you and think that it's all love and light, rainbows and butterflies. No, there's going to be some low points, but the low points you can now see as opportunities for growth, to see them as lessons on how to continue along that path of lit upness, if that's even a word, <laughs> right? You need contrast in order to figure out what you want to do, in order to figure out what lights you up. And when you find out what lights you up, you're going to want to find out the next thing that lights you up. Because there's one thing that lights us all up, right? Oh, okay, I can't make that declaration. But I'm just going to say it, just for the sake of argument. When we find the thing that lights us up, and it's going to continue to light us up, we want to build on that. And in order to build on that, we need to know how to build on that. And the only way to know how to build on that is contrast, is to know what's not working in order to figure out what is. Does that make sense? So let me not mislead you. There is going to be contrast in your life. But right now, right now, it's about finding what you want. We are here right now in the sandwich at the crossroads. Well, it's not a crossroads because we're not really choosing left or right. Threshold. I keep saying crossroad. I mean threshold. We are at the threshold of change. And no one is going to carry, pick us up and carry us across the threshold like they do in the old timey practices of marriage, you know, where the husband swoops up the wife across the threshold of their new home. No, no, no. That's not how this scene works. You are in charge of you and you are going to carry yourself across this threshold of change. And so are you equipped to do that?
because you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get over that threshold no matter what the universe is gonna push you across you may like go kicking screaming crying like clinging onto the door frame like no i don't want to go i'm not ready no you know you scratch your nails on the floorboards <laughs> you know or you can choose grace and you can choose deliberate intention to create the life that you want rather than just letting the chips fall where they may. It's time to reclaim your power and to create the life that you love. All right? So that's where you are now. All right, my friends. So that is part two of our four-part series. Next episode, part three, is where do we go from here? Hmm interesting question. Do I have answers? Probably not, but at least I'm asking the question. (laughs) All right, my friends. And so I would like to close today's episode with a poem by Rumi again, because Rumi's feeling, feeling fine today. Um, This one is called Only Breath. Not Christian or Jew or Muslim, not Hindu, Buddhist, Sufi or Zen, not any religion or cultural system. I am not the East or the West, not out of the ocean or up from the ground, not natural or ethereal, not composed of elements at all. I do not exist, am not an entity in this world or the next, did not descend from Adam and Eve or any origin story. My place is placeless, a trace of the traceless, neither body or soul. I belong to to the beloved, have seen the two worlds as one, and that one call to and know, first, last, outer, inner, only that breath, breathing, human being. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, yes, Rumi. All right, my friends, this concludes our episode for today. And so the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagian.com slash subscribe.